Hello, and welcome to One Week Only. I'm Connor, and this is another interview with a local film... Hello, and welcome to One Week Only. I'm Connor, and this is another interview with an independent filmmaker. Uh, as always, we always want to say, hope you're doing okay out there, staying safe, staying inside. Uh, we wish movie theaters are open right now, but there are always new films coming out uh, with VOD and virtual cinema. And one of those films is the uh, dark comedy Raising Buchanan, which is now available on VOD. And this is a very funny little film uh, about a two women who are both down on their luck, need money, and they end up uh, stealing the body, the, the, the corpse of President James Buchanan, uh, the president who was right before Lincoln and uh, is blamed as being one of the worst presidents in U.S. history. And uh, it's about how they try and get some ransom money for this, but no one wants him because he's the worst president. Uh, it's a, a good, very funny setup. And it's also great because uh, uh, James Buchanan is in the film, sort of a ghost played by Rene Abergenaud, the late great character actor. So it was very fun to talk to uh, writer-director Bruce Dellis and producer and lead actress Amanda Melby about uh, how they uh, met, how they collaborated in, on past films, and how this came about, and uh, uh, how it was to work with Rene, and uh, why... Why make a film about James Buchanan, a fairly well-forgotten president, except for those who think he's not very good? So if you're looking for a funny black comedy, it's now available. But here's my interview with the director and star of Raising Buchanan. Hi. Hi, this is Bruce Dellis. I'm the, uh, I'm the writer-director guy. Hi, I'm Amanda Melby, and I am producer and play Ruth. So your film is about a woman who, to make money, uh, steals the the corpse of President uh, Buchanan. So obviously, first question: Why James Buchanan? <laughs> well, uh, he was chosen because, uh, well, first of all, he was considered the consensus pick for the worst president of all time, at least uh, when we originally wrote the script. Mm -hmm. And then um, uh, also, he doesn't have any family. He never was married. Didn't have any children. So uh, so nobody was going to get too upset. But also because he had a great resume, he should have been a fantastic president. He was, he was well schooled in politics and and well educated and and a lot of experience. But it kind of amounted to not much when it came to actually um, uh, leading the country. Now, as you said, uh, worst president up until perhaps now. I love that your film has the little joke. The well, maybe uh, was that added uh, in later drafts of the script or when you were shooting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it actually came about when uh, uh, we'd written it ahead of time, and it was done, and we were going up to scout some locations in, in the kind of wooded area in uh, in northern Arizona, where we shot some of the film, and uh, Amanda and I were driving up there, and we just talked about, okay, well, what, what do we need to do here? This was this was kind of a slam dunk, and, and wasn't the controversial pick for worst president, but clearly, um, a lot in the audience are going to... Um, consider that a little a little too dated so we felt like we needed to uh address the elephant in the room uh to some degree so we we figured this was probably a good subtle way to do it but uh if the the idea isn't lost on anybody who's watched the film uh who we're talking about even though we don't mention anybody by name um but it seemed like the responsible thing to do no it was very well done i thought now how <laughs> how did you you two come together to collaborate on this film uh have you worked together previously we, yeah, we have. We, we met um, 
gosh, probably about 15 years ago uh, through the Phoenix Film Project, which is now IFP Phoenix, um, we used to host a, a TV show called Screen Wars back before YouTube. <laughs> and um, it was a short film competition, and we would air these three-minute short films on TV, and people would vote on their favorite. And Bruce, um, Bruce was always winning. And uh, <laughs> I was the host of the show, and so I just knew that um, – you know, someday if I if I wanted to do a feature, I wanted to work with Bruce just because I, I appreciate his sense of humor very much, and I like how smart the writing is, and um, and so yeah, we we've known each other for quite a long time. We've done a couple short films together, and this is our first feature film together. Now the script is sort of an interesting mix because it's obviously it's a crime story, but it's also a lot of comedy in it, and also there's this sort of a ghost story because we have uh, your character talks to. James Buchanan as if he's there in the room. So uh, how was uh, writing that screenplay and sort of mixing all those different genres? Were there certain films you looked at for inspiration? Well, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of films that kind of try to tackle things um, that are a little outrageous but done in a, um, in a somewhat believable way while still maintaining some comedy. So, so guys like uh, you know, Hal Ashby from the 70s or Alexander Payne or the Coen Brothers uh, some Wes Anderson stuff kind of does some some of that balancing act stuff where there's some ludicrous things going on on screen, but the characters don't seem to be as aware of how strange everything is. So so it's played pretty straight, and a lot of comedy sort of bubbles up from there. So those are some of the guys who seem to uh, to get that right. So that's what we we're hoping to accomplish. Now, Amanda, how is it uh, being both the star of the film and the producer? How is it to balance those two roles on set and? You know, pre and post production. Well, um, I, I didn't do a lot of balancing while we were actually filming, so most of my producer duties came in uh, ahead of time, so in pre production and development. Um, and then we brought in a fantastic uh, UPM, Shelley Boucher, and then also we had another producer, Joe Gruberman, and so the two of them really handled a lot of the on set production uh, producing duties while I so I could focus on acting. And then, um, of course, as soon as we finished shooting, then I put my producer hat back on. Um, but I, I think because I was in every scene except for one as an actor, I just I knew that I wouldn't be able to really balance those two things uh, very well during the production. So um, I made sure that I had two capable people helping me out. No, definitely. Yeah. Now, your character thing is a really fascinating, central character because... You know, right from the get-go, we know she's she's struggling for money, and she's not above doing some flawed things. Like, right off the bat, we see her take some money from a lost wallet. And we know it's for a good reason. She's she's down on luck. But I love that right off the bat, we know she's not a perfect person. Was that always important in the script and for your to get, understand the character? Yeah, I think other uh, otherwise, if we don't show that right up front, then people you know, would be wondering, like, oh, well, why is she making these decisions? You know, it's it's very, very clear from the very beginning that, um, that you know, she's, she's got some issues and, and definitely makes some poor decisions. Um, and so I, for me, that was important to be able to have that continuation throughout the story, especially from the, you know, the first couple of frames of the movie, really. Um, and then people, you know, it's kind of one of those, characters that people love to hate or they can appreciate and still like even though she's not doing good things you know no definitely so and i mm-hmm. bruce i don't know if you wanted to comment on the yeah that was kind of always too, but... 
that was always kind of important is to make sure that she kind of starts uh, uh, underground in a way. And, 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 you know, her goal is then to kind of ideally at least get to ground level, just get her head above ground just a little bit is, is, is a huge deal for her. So if we kind of started her off and she was really relatable and sweet and kind and, and then we see her, her make these decisions, uh, I think there would be a lot of disappointment in that as opposed to an encouragement to come up from kind of the depths a little bit. Well, and in her character's backstory, you know, she she hasn't really made great decisions for many, many years. So, um, you know, and we find that out as, as the movie comes along, how many bad decisions she's actually made over the years. So um, it's important that the character starts out, you know, really in the, it's still in the middle of all of her bad choices and, and dealing with the repercussions of, of all of those bad choices. I think mean, it is fascinating that I feel a lot of films about, you know, small time criminals or, you know, people making bad decisions. I feel a lot of times it is a male protagonist. It's often a male point of view of the subject. Do you feel this film, because it is two female best friends committing the crime, does that give a new spin on the story, a new take on it? Well, that was, yeah, one, I, of the I, things that, yeah, that was one of the things that appealed to me as an actor was to, to have it, you know, have two female leads in, at, in, you know, in this caper series that weren't talking about men in a romantic way. Mm. You know, I, I was really drawn to that. And that was one of the things that Bruce and I had talked about early on was to have females in the lead. Yeah. So it's really critical in, in, in something like this. If we're trying to do something that's a little bit a little bit different. Um, it, would, it was kind of important that we uh, that we be a little more diverse and look at it a little differently. I mean, men are certainly not the only ones who can make bad decisions, and uh, <laughs> and female protagonists are, are just as compelling as male ones. So there's no there's no downside to doing it that way. We might not be used to seeing it quite as much, but it's uh, I think the behavior is not wildly different, um, and the motivations aren't either. Uh, but it is nice to see women who aren't just out there looking for a guy in a film. And the actress who plays your best friend in the film, uh, Kathy Shim, uh, how did you find her and cast her, and how did you um, build that rapport between these two best friends? We actually brought in a casting director, Chadwick Struck, from Los Angeles. So we hired him. We're here. We're in Arizona. Um, and so we hired him, and, and, and she is uh, somebody that he has worked with before. And so he, he actually re- recommended her to us. Um, and so we, we didn't meet her until she showed up on set, actually. Oh, wow. So <laughs> um, fortunately, you know, I think both she and I have, have enough experience that, you know, we we're able to connect with each other right away. So we did have a nice little rehearsal um, when she first got into town. And just really clicked as human beings together. And so it, it turned out really nicely that we, we really just got along swimmingly. Yeah, and it also helps that she's, uh, she's very smart. And she completely got the tone of what we were trying to do. And that's, that's always the critical thing when you're, when you're casting. Is, is, as long as everybody kind of understands the tone and they have some talent, they'll uh, very likely be able to kind of pull that off. And because she's smart enough to get that this is weird but not nothing that they do, those characters can really react as though they're funny things. Uh, hopefully the audience will, but uh, the characters shouldn't be. She totally gets that and, and is just a really good instinctive actor and, and brought a lot to it. Now you also have two phenomenal uh, character actors in the film, Renee Abdurrahman 
and E. Emmett Walsh, uh, you know, longtime character actors, Star Trek, Blood Simple. How did they uh, come aboard the film and what was it like to work with them? Um, really same thing. Yeah, Chadwick, Chadwick Struck, the casting director, um, you know, uh, pitched them both to us. And, you know, we when you're casting a film or writing a film, you know, you've got we've got a whole long list of actors that we would love to see in the part. And um, and and Renee and Emmett were on the list from the beginning, really. And so we were lucky that that, that Chad was able to, you know, have the relationship with their agents and their managers and um, got the script off to them. And they both read the script. And then, you know, we had a conversation with Renee, which was lovely. Um, and then he signed on to it. So they were both just really wonderful, wonderful human beings. And those scenes with Renee, where he is playing kind of the ghost of Buchanan, and you're having these, uh, you know, philosophical discussions about the morals of slavery. How is it to, you know, I'm assuming you had to do a lot of research on what Buchanan thought and how he, uh, what, he what his opinion of himself was. How was it to write those scenes that are such a great, you know, tete for tete combative verbal scenes? Yeah, a lot of that just comes from um, his uh, his kind of natural defensiveness after he had. Uh, you know, lost the, you know, um, Abraham Lincoln became the president after he did, um, but the Civil War started before, essentially, um, right at the time when uh, states started breaking off right after the election. Um, so when uh, when Buchanan went back to his Wheatland estate, he started writing his memoirs, and essentially he didn't really take much responsibility for uh, for what he had done or what he rather what he had not done. Um, so a lot of what I what I read in his in his memoirs seemed to be kind of just defending the positions that he was taking, even though at some point within his life he, he there were some contradictions to that. Um, now he just kind of locked into the idea that well I don't want to be the one who gets blamed for this. We need to blame the abolitionists for this. This is them stirring it all up. You know, just kind of making things up to the degree where uh, it seemed like he would be a defensive guy. Uh, but he would probably be somebody who is elegant enough to be able to uh, say it in a somewhat convincing manner. Um, but because um, Ruth kind of identifies with that position within him of having all this promise before he became a, a president, uh, because Ruth is looking at him in, this, in the same light, it becomes a situation where he needs to uh, be defensive, but at the same time through Ruth's eyes, kind of acknowledge that not everybody's buying this necessarily. And then the nuance that, uh, that Renee brought to the role really kind of humanizes that, because you could probably play that same role with those same words in a way that still feels very defensive and unctuous and a little bit, you know, a little too uh, snide. But uh, the way that Renee played it was just right, because it, it brought a humanity to somebody who doesn't, isn't really seen from a historical standpoint as, as a very... Uh, uh, decent person in a lot of ways. No, he's really terrific in the film, and you know it's just sad that he's passed away now. But I'm glad this yeah. one more performance that I get to see from him. Mm-hmm. I also love the um, the animated sequence at the beginning of the film, the animated dream sequence. Uh, how did that come about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was something. Bruce wrote that oh, in ahead. there. Yeah, no, I was just going to say Bruce wrote that in there from the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and we wanted to have that kind of stop-action sort of yeah. uh, puppet 
animation stuff like the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer kind of stuff. So, you know, we weren't aware of a ton of people out there who were still doing that sort of thing. So we ended up reaching out to Johnny McCone, who, who is one of the robot chicken animators mm. and, and does a bunch of other stuff that you can find online. But uh, but he got what we were trying to accomplish with that and, uh, and was uh, eager to take that on. And he did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's a it's a really great sequence. <laughs> now the film has played a, a bunch of film festivals in last uh, last year, but uh, now now it's coming out. But it's coming out sadly during this uh, shutdown. Um, how does it feel to have a your your a feature film come out during this this digital time? And uh, how do you hope people will respond to it? Well, uh, you know, it it plays really well in the theater. Um, that's for sure, but. It also plays well on a TV. So, you know, we're really actually glad that it is coming out at this point just because people are watching and consuming content. Mm -hmm. And and we hope that people will find it because it's available now. Um, And we hope also that people are ready for a laugh. You know, it's it's, um, pretty grim when you turn on the news these days. So it's nice to turn turn the turn the station over and, and get a chuckle. So that's what that's what I'm hoping, at least, is that people are ready for a laugh and a little comedy. A little comedy with, with a bit of grave robbing, you know, sprinkled in there. Yeah, exactly. oh, sure. Hey, yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for talking to me today, uh, and I hope you'll check out Raising Buchanan on VOD. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks, Connor. Appreciate it. So that was my interview with the writer-director and producer-star of the comedy Raising Buchanan. It's now available on VOD. And like I said, if you're looking for a laugh, you want to have a take a moment away from the news and and have some fun with a little bit of grave ropping, a little bit of uh, amateur crime, uh, this is a good pick. So check out Raising Buchanan. That's all we have this episode of One Week Only. As always, you can find more episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. We got more interviews with other filmmakers. We have other episodes talking about the films you can watch in online on virtual cinema. And as always, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Give us a like and a share and retweet. And uh, hope you're staying safe out there. Stay inside. And uh, hopefully we can all go back to the movies as soon as possible when it's safe. But until next time, I'm Connor. Thank you for listening. <laughs>